0: The Word is proud media partner of Latitude Festival. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk.
3: You're listening to a
4: podcast from The Word.
0: Late, and this evening you said it was a, it's a drinking thing. You no, to-
2: tonight I'm just no. meeting a friend who, uh, who served... Um, a couple of decades at Warner, uh, at the, as as the head of Warner Country. He's a Brit and a very nice fellow, Andy Wickham. He produced a couple of records for me. We're getting together, and so being in London is like uh, a great uh, reunion for me. We have a friend, my wife and I, a friend by the name of Penelope Tree. We've known her ever since. I mean, for a long time, and uh, from she's also. Um, one of the big mavens of the
0: pop era, you know. Maven is a great word, isn't it? Whatever it means. What does that conjure up a maven <laughs> Well, to me, use? it's like, it's
2: under that category, uh, uh, think British, speak Yiddish. Or no, it's the converse, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, think
0: Yiddish, speak British. But there's something kind of slightly supernatural and uh, mentally powerful about a but maven. There,
2: yeah, yeah, and she was. She was one of those... Uh, 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 figurines uh, that decorated the pop uh, era uh, when we're talking about the 60s. And, and I don't think the 70s really existed, except okay. for a little disco Well,
0: we'll get, we're going to get to that in a moment, because I wanted to ask you a li- just a little bit about, uh, about each section of your, of your fantastically yeah. illustrious career. Starting with, I suppose, our first sighting of you was in, in the 1950s. For some reason, I think, in a film with Grace Kelly, that
2: happened? That's right. Alec Guinness, I would use that name because he was a very fine fellow and showered me with a great uh, paternal affection, uh, g- uh, sending me uh, Christmas gifts for the next five years after that. It was a very kind man. And uh, How did you finish up to be what you were? And Alec Guinness, I tell you, Alec Guinness epitomized to me what it is to, to see an artist achieve some degree of notoriety or celebrity, but celebrity was not the beast it is now. And you know, people are clapping at the American president. So people go into the office that their people are clapping for him. He is a servant. He is a servant of the people, and not to be clapped at. That's you ridiculous. Get at our royal
0: wedding if you wanted to do some. But of yes, that.
2: but that you see, but this is a different thing. This is America supposedly stepped from monarchism, and now you see what rock and roll has become is monarchism light. It's to me, it's the same thing, but in in different. In different, uh, in different clothes. It's the
0: worship of celebrity, and, and that presumably has a negative effect. You think on their? I think that it
2: person. has a corrupting effect. But when I knew Alec, when I when I worked when I worked with <laughs> Alec, when, when I but when I worked with dear boy, the, the, dear yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when I worked with that great actor, uh, I uh, I saw such modesty and such fluency too. You Could go to a restaurant, sit down, have a bite to eat, unmolested. Now people I know who are so famous, they can't go out and buy their own clothes. Uh, They can't go to a restaurant. I know people like that, that are so confined by this, the punishment of celebrity. I haven't had that problem. <laughs> I have just a converse. I've stayed, like, in behind the curtains, for look, working in music for so long, and I have the blessing of anonymity, except when it comes to things like Union Chapel on May 16th <laughs> when I'm trying to fill every pew and I have a phobia about empty seats.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, the I exorcism. don't... We'll talk about that at the end, because you've got to plug that, yeah, the, the I... exorcisms you described it earlier on. But, um... But going back to your, your career, I Grace Kelly, I mean, give, give me some indication of what that was like. And how old were you at the time? Well, uh, I have a picture of it in my, in my, let's
2: see, that was, I was 12. 12 when I, when I posted my way uh, across the screen on the horse and she side saddled and much more difficult to do. And, uh, but it was it was an amazing adventure. That was 1955. I was I was there the day Disneyland opened. I remember that. Uh, just uh, I've had an amazing life around people of great talent, and I've also sought it consciously, like in the music that I that I do. I've sought being with people that I thought had superior gifts, and to try to and I be- believe it's been a life of reflected glory. And, well, that's extraordinary. So, you but
0: you—I mean—you managed to find yourself in 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 close proximity with, well, actually, via a group, if I remember right. With, you started with your brother. Your brother? Am I right? I think your brother wrote something stupid. He wrote something smart. I've written a lot of stuff. <laughs> he was a
2: one trick pony. Something smart that made a lot yeah. of money. But it was a very, <laughs> it was a very good trick from that pony, and and um,
0: it served him well. You did your group, I think, was called Steel Town 2. That's right. And then mm-hmm. you changed your name to Steel Town 3. I, uh, I love I things like that. that. It's like Spinal Tap, isn't yeah. it? It's so it was, sweet. It was, I mean, I'm assuming that's not irony. No, you know, it we was the Thompson wonderful. twins, there's actually
2: three of them, you know. It this was, was fun. We used to call ourselves Los Tres Dos. We had many names, but we went through the. And you're uh, a folk group, then weren't you? We're talking
0: about the early, very early sixties now. Yeah,
2: there was serious was folk group, serious world beat kind of a con- of of uh, concentration from Mexican boleros or huapangos or sambas, and you know, I remember the first night Esther Gilberto across the the street from our club in Hermosa Beach. She came to Howard Rumsey's lighthouse the first night I saw that twenty four year old Brazilian. She was singing. Uh, girl from Ipanema. fantastic and i was just uh, that i saw her first night and i went across there i was 20 but they let me in anyway i was supposed to be 21 and after the show she went off the stage and she stopped she went back to the kitchen and she was just sobbing because she was so frightened you know she was from jet lag or whatever it was i don't know if they came up on the jet but she was definitely under duress and she was just sobbing i went in there and i was i was uh, 20 years old and uh 21, that's right, just 21. And I was going to console her. I was in love with her. Of course, I was in love with... Why wouldn't you be? You're only human. Yeah, absolutely. I loved that beat. I'd never heard anything like it. And, uh... And she was just so feminine and so, you know, downright companionable. But I when I went in, I saw she was in (laughs) in, no one. When I looked at her, she was so so beautiful, and yet I didn't speak any uh, Portuguese, so I couldn't speak her language. And here, and this was an older woman. She was twenty-four. I was. A, a mere twenty-one. There's a big age gap there. So I thought, what am I doing here? This woman is not going to get any comfort from me. I better leave. But you see, it's just an illustrated point. I've seen a lot of different music. I've been interested in basically world beat or roots music of all kinds. How did you
0: get to work? Actually, no, I haven't introduced you yet, have I? I'm I'm very rude. This is Van Dyke Parks, the The good listeners. (laughs) The great Van Dyke (laughs) Parks. (laughs) I'm so thrilled that you've come along. We are both, aren't we, Fraser? enormously thrilled. Well,
2: I'm... It's a real privilege. We've got quite a lot
0: of interest, I have to say. A huge amount of interest from... We'll have to get some of the questions later from our... um from our listeners to the podcast but but uh, just another question again, changing tack didn't you work on the very early birds records as well? I didn't yeah but so 1963
2: Bob Dylan came along freewheeling. then we had the Stones 12 by 5 which got Britain into the into the uh, transportation of the blues the blues were bottled that was the year that we started the corporate uh, the commodification of the blues they were bottling the blues so that started in 63 the summer of love Surfboards went styrofoam, so anybody could carry one. I was among them. I lived in a beach town in California. Beatnik elements and yeah. coffee houses. It was like very beautiful experience for me. Then the Beatles hit the fan. Everything started yeah. going into rock and electrifying. And that's when I got the clue the burning bush, you know, and and, the, and I did not want to join a group, but I did play on that p- first book. So you saw record. which way the wind was blowing. Absolutely. I stopped playing a nylon string guitar, and I took the beta position of, of a keyboard player, and that got me into a recording studio with people like Rye Cooter and uh, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders and many, many uh, uh, B-movies later, uh, many uh, acts, some of whom were, were prominent, others that were imitative of uh, of the Beatles or so forth. But generally... And Crosby wanted you to join a group. I think he actually tried to form a group with you. Before, before the birds, right? That's true. But David, once he saw my brother and me, and he said in his autobiography, he saw my brother and me in a coffee house in, in Santa Barbara, and he said he turned to David Lindley, another musician. No, I met David. And he said, uh, he looked at David Lindley, he said, referring to me and my brother, he said, if these guys can get away with it, so can we. (laughs) (laughs) So he said that that was the moment he decided to do what I was doing at that time. And I was just delighted to to see some corroborating, uh, what, how
0: would you describe what you were doing? What, what what was that?
2: Well, it was it was world beat. It yeah. really was. What I was seeking to do was lose my virginity by singing beautiful songs in Spanish or French, and I did that. <laughs> I achieved that
0: goal. I was so pleased. Every sense, obviously,
2: <laughs> made a lot of sense to me at the time. And and uh, and yes, it was. And it was folk music, uh, certainly. And I, I mean, like I memorized maybe 50 solos from Mexican boleros with my requinto. And I played Indian harp and I worked real hard. And I had a guitarrón, which is a fretless bass that you, you hold. So I was, I, under the impression, I was uh, in a Latino culture when I went to LA, which I was. And that's, and I, and I explored the music and I had a ball and then everything uh, turned out to have uh, the, 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 rock sensibility, sens- sensibility prevailed. And although, and then, I worked basically behind the scenes from 60, when 63, I did The Bare yeah. Necessities for Jungle Book by Walt Disney. That was my first arrangement. You arranged the... the it was called The Bare Necessities. Oh, yeah, we know And, very and well. that was the song from this movie. And that was my first job
0: in, uh, with uh, a union, a check.
2: That's, that's astonishing. Yeah.
0: yeah. And what, so what did they see? Because that's a very high-profile... Position. What did they see in you? Why did they think you
2: were capable of doing that? Well, to tell you the truth, the man who wrote the song, he knew that my brother had just died. My brother was a, a foreign consul to, to Frankfurt. My brother died in the Cold War as an espionage. And uh, my brother and I did not have the money to go back to the funeral or have a a black suit. So this man gave me a job, knowing that. Terry Gilkison who wrote the song, he gave me the job out of compassion. And we back, went back and story. put our brother into the ground but I knew that that was, as I say, a burning... Bush. Had
0: you any idea that re- that film was going to be so huge? Oh, I had no
2: idea. I d- had no idea. All I knew it was it was a great opportunity. It wasn't an elaborate arrangement, but it was an entry for me. you it ever was... meet
0: Louis Prima?
2: Oh, I met Louis you Prima. i sang the oh, King yes, of the Jungle song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and uh, Phil Harris. And, uh... uh Thor, Thor Ravenscroft, zippity doo, zippity, that bass singer. I met, I met all these guys. So I was in heaven. But then I went ahead and worked in the studio. And I, I did it so anonymously that my mother once said to me, she said, at some point when I was a brunette, my mother said to me, she said, uh, she said Van Dyke, my husband and I, I love my father. She said, We've always marveled that you put your retirement in front of your career. Because, in <laughs> fact, I, that, you know, was, you know, lack was, of ambition. was going, no, I was working very hard. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. working on music and doing arrangements. And, and I love that position. I loved the position. Going up about 1969, uh, I loved the idea of, of uh, arranging for Rye Cooter.
0: But back, no, you just I mean, always like get that. on to write it. But I, I don't want to miss out the Beach Boys. I mean, I've I personally mm. got enormous interest in them, and I know a lot of people listening have. And, and and you know, you, you were asked to, to write the lyrics for Smile when you said yeah. that at this point the Beach Boys are phenomenally successful. Absolutely top of, top think, of the heap. What was to Brian Wilson? It was in a position he could choose anybody. Why did
2: he choose you? Which is funny to me because really, truly, Brian was to me he was the Beatles and George Martin. He did all of those jobs, and uh, so I was—I well was astonished by him. And uh, we just happened to meet. And the only—I um, had written a song, which it was called "High Coin," and it, I wrote this song, and it had some uh, when t- in times of wonder from down when times and places effervesce in words of wonder from down under. I'm no less. I'm fine. It's my time. So Brian heard this song. He heard, he saw that I was working on, on songs, and he needed a lyricist. And also think that strategically, he realized that the Beach Boys had been comfortable in like, pardon the expression, bougie. It's what my daughter called bourgeoisie. <laughs> right, a little, A little bougie, a little Eisenhower era, comfy chair, kind of like right. passe. And Brian, I think in one fell swoop, wanted to to get somebody who was decidedly uh, um, counterculture. And he didn't know that I was counter-counterculture as well. <laughs> I was I was so counter-anything. A little bit bougie like I was, Yeah, I was counter-counterculture. Yeah. But, but, I, but I believed in a lot of the things that Brian, Well, there were things that we shared, uh, things that we shared in our uh, youth and wonder, <laughs> such <laughs> as uh, the hymns, a love of the hymns, yes. barbershop, confirmation, uh, the, the, t- to me, and you look at the smile cover the smile the uh, the the original art yeah. which by the way will be used in this new box set i've held, i've held every configuration of the beach boys smile which is coming out this year i think in september when I go back, I'm going to write some notes on it, uh, which is very nice for them to have asked, because, of course, it, I, I felt that, that, the, uh, that the whole thing originally, I thought, was was a disappointment because it wasn't released. Well, we're going to come to that. Can, let me
0: just yeah. ask you one other thing. The, the, the cliched uh, the, the historical version of the story is, 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 the, okay. is reduced to a competition with the Beatles. You know, oh, the, abs- the Beatles! The Beatles—it's uh, revolver, and then it's whatever. It's well, I understand. Pet, I pet mean, sounds, I, I, and then yeah. they come back. With, I understand. Back. Man. And is that true? I mean, do you think that absolutely true? Because absolutely. Because the, the impression you get—folk uh, rock historians will tell you that the, 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 they've, they've, they've served their trump card, they've played their big card, which is pet sounds, and yes. they're sitting back thinking, "Follow that." Sergeant yeah. Pepper's yeah. Lonely Hearts Club Band comes
2: out. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. But, but, but I must uh, remind you of an incident. The goal. Just to let's get the timeline here. Yeah, yeah. The timeline is that the, 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 the thing called Smile was in progress. It was on 8-track at, 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 Wally, at uh, Armin Steiner's studio, 8-track studio on Yucca and Argyle. That's where the studio was, and that's where the tapes were, and that's where the Beatles came to review Smile, in progress. Brian Wilson continued to work on that. And... The Beatles, who shared a publicist by the name of Derek, Derek Taylor. Taylor, he was the first man to call yeah. Brian Wilson a genius. That was an ad campaign. He called Brian Wilson a genius, possibly a bad move. I think it was very intimidating, and I think it was not and I did not think that it had a, a long range benefit no, it but, it, but, but but managed to intimidate Brian. but i wouldn't have done it, but anyways, the point is. Derek represented both camps, and I and I had heard at the time that, that the Beatles had been in there and reviewed the irregularity of Smile. They heard what was going on, and what do you mean by the irregularity?
0: You mean you mean the, the music? The, yeah, the music, yeah, the music is different. It was different it's from anything different that, from what they done before. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So so, and that uh, that that. Uh, that ranked my groove, as they say in Mississippi. That ranked my groove. I, I didn't like that at all. And we felt very competitive about it. And then the, the Beatles... When you say reviewed it, it so Brian, it was on Brian's invitation. No, Brian. no, 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 no. Brian did. We didn't know a damn thing about it. So the, they... Had they, Derek allowed
0: that to happen? Huh? Derek had allowed that to happen.
2: Derek yeah, sure. Derek, my, Derek, Derek and I were... I loved Derek like a brother. Uh, Derek called me to invite me to his funeral called Los Angeles to ask me to come over for his funeral. He knew that he was about to die. I thought I was just I just got off and the phone and just had to sob about the man Oh, I imagine the, the amazing sense man. of humour and, and, and great personality and a lovely... And he was the guy who wrote that campaign that said, the Beatles is coming, which is just like the R.J. Reynolds, the camels are coming That's right. in World War I. See, all these people, they got the cigarette habit because of that. That campaign, the camels are coming. So Derek co-opted that, and that's part of the, the success of the Beatles. But just quickly, going back to the yeah. story, so the, the Beatles are allowed... To listen they, to. Yeah, they heard some tapes. And works you, in progress. Right, right they heard some Smile. tapes. Right. And then they, with great alacrity and a sense of purpose, they went back to England and they nailed the damn thing. They got the Arab in the limo. They got their thing done. It was called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And, and what was
0: Brian's reaction when he heard that?
2: Oh, reaction? well, it was devastating because they did it. But they, he wasn't. They, they deliver- he wasn't devastated
0: because he thought any of his own material had been uh, uh, lifted. No, no. Or, but, but he was devastated by the sheer no, but, quality. No, but of
2: but it. there was there was um, there was a degree of youthful hubris in it. They had done that. That they had captured that degree of absurdism. Of, when I came in to your fine studio. And I saw Fraser's card. There's Frank Zappa. Now Frank Zappa was an absurdist. Yeah. So I'd already been down that road. I'd I'd trod that tread.
0: And like is, is holding up, in fact, uh, <laughs> viewers. Uh, Fraser's own card, which has the the cover uh, illustration from from Word with Frank Zappa on it. <laughs> Superb. That's a yeah. calling card, isn't it? Yes, it is. Go on, Frank so, Zappa. So absurdist. yeah,
2: but I mean, so I, I'd heard m- uh, music that was kind of uh, you know uh, outside the box, and. Um, it didn't bother me too much, but uh, there was that degree. Both Sergeant Pepper and Smile, obviously, uh, in their inception, were going to take. We're going to ask a lot of a loyal audience. They were going to take an audience into an, ha- an entirely new area. Uh, they were a challenge. Yeah, a challenge for an audience and. Of course, you know. I don't think when you work, you're not thinking about what is somebody else going to think about this. I think you have to be true to yourself. I think artists do; uh, they should. That should be a part of that. That the they should show courage and and powers of self reinvention. And and that's. But it all
0: falls apart. I mean, if uh, Cabin Essence turned up, I think on 2020, surfs up. Finishes up obviously on surface Up Heroes and Villains and on Smiley Smile. I mean, piece by piece, the material that you made was issued, you but know, it was never issued until quite no, recently. No, it was all
2: an apology for it, you know, it was always a, a tremendously equivocal. And, and until- So
0: why, just going back to the game, why, why didn't the record come out? What's your version of that story?
2: Well, I don't have a version I have an aversion to aversion, because because honestly, but truly I do, I do. I have an aversion to it because it was obviously that people in the group and the promotion men from Capitol who were decidedly uh, uh, hit bound. If you listen to the music of the era that prevailed, it's pretty, uh, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Most of it is not memorable.
0: Right, but it can't be an A&R decision to not put out smile. It must be Brian's own loss oh,
2: of Oh, no, no, no. I, no yeah. I, I don't think so. I think that it was the system itself. Uh, I think Brian was on track about it. But um, what's interesting to me now is that the amount of work that w- that is revealed, and this is something that I haven't heard it. I'm, when I go back, I'm going to hear it. I said I would like to listen to it first. It's three... Vinyl records, LPs. And you've not heard this? No. And I just think that that it's a wonderful piece of work because it it is not the property of its authors. It's the property of people who intervened and and reinterpreted it and pirated it, which, of course, drove me to distraction. I would have preferred to have a a Bentley and a pool in (laughs) but But that was not to be. But your bicycle is parked outside. But I, I,
0: I got it, you know. And uh, um, so, tell me about. I mean, funny enough, we, enough, the last uh, last week we had was it last week Neil was in. It was yes. Neil Tennant of Pet Shop yeah. Boys, mm-hmm. and, and I asked him a, a very corny old question, but it always interests me, which is, it was the greatest song ever written? And his his decision was. We well, had two actually. Alfie, didn't he? By Bert Backrack, and his other was Heroes and Villains, which is a fantastic coincidence because you were coming in this week. Yeah. Now tell me about how did you work with Brian Wilson? Alfie's I want a great song that, too. It is a great song, but we're not going yeah, to. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. Bert, I'm not going to let you do it. take <laughs> Backrack. I've got you. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, just. How,
2: I want to know how the working process was. You how how
0: would that a song was like that? Well,
2: come that out? song. He just played the song, and I immediately provided the words, and we did that in about four hours that particular except there was a, a bridge that was later on about some cantina section they used. uh what do you say immediately
0: so you already had an idea no no of no no, no. he
2: played the song and it sounded like a ballad to me i mean ballad in terms of like what we think of in country music a song that has a through line or something a miniature uh, a, a story a, a story uh, it tells a story. It reminded me very much of that same Marty Robbins, El Paso type of thing. And I wanted to, and, and in, in Lit 101, in, in in school, in literature, they say, the first thing you do is write what you know. And what I knew was how, that I had come to California, and I had this impression of the Southwest, and I wanted to capture that in that song. wanted to do what I did. So I thought doing the Through the art of cliché, as it were, and I I do believe there is an art to cliché, that it should be used powerfully. Bear in mind this is the same time people like Roy Lichtenstein or or Andy Warhol or Robert Rauschenberg in Mm. the visual arts. Pop was big. Absolutely. Pop was real big. Huge bright colours. Yeah, and even like pop art and cartoon consciousness. All of that was in the visual arts. It's as natural that it was in Smile. I mean, it was music that was struggling to become something of its own and have a really contemporary kind of transparency to be part of what was happening, that close to what was happening. Not something that was safely, uh, it was not to recite old victories, musical or otherwise. It was just to go somewhere new. And so that song, Heroes and Villains, came uh, within hours. And uh, every uh, every word, uh, I've been in this town so long that back in the city I've been taken for lost and gone and unknown for a long, long time. I fell in love years ago with an innocent girl from the Spanish and Indian home of the heroes and villains. Once at night, Cotillion squared the fight and she was right in the rain of the bullets that eventually brought her down. But she's still dancing in the night unafraid of what a doodle do in a town full of heroes and villains. Every one of those words was a note. So I never once suggested that we lose or gain a, a syllable for my own convenience, and everything just by honoring the melody, the house of cards started to rise. Fantastic! And that was that's yeah, it was an act of God. It was really, pardon me for using the God word. No, that, no, that's <laughs> just You're like real. that's to just kind of like explain that that I wasn't in charge, but I was very fortunate to be where I was at that time, serving that man who was so talented and and his, and I think that his youthful. Uh, is the fact that his ambition didn't outreach his ability. The song delivered on a major front, and that's where
0: we started. But I, I find that stuff so fascinating, because yeah. you think of the combinations of lyricist and, and musician and how... Difficult it is sometimes to make those two things compatible. Well, it yeah. is. The lyric might come first, the music might come first. Yeah. One's not going to budge, one's not going to yeah. give. Well, you in know, those you cases, music
2: and was always first in, in those cases. Uh, the music followed, the, 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 the words followed the music, and that's which I thought was the, my obligation to him. And uh, that's why he bought me and a Volvo. And you really,
0: saw, I'm seeing a smoke-filled studio late at night, and you were sitting there writing this in pretty much one take in four hours. How, no you?
2: no 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 that was in the broad that was in broad daylight. This right, was, but dude, it was get, a four hour this was, uh, that's this, what I remember. No this was in broad daylight and this was and this, yeah and this was just to get uh acquainted. I mean I went up to his house on Summit Ridge Drive. We went up to the house and wrote the damn song. To did it to uh to like to make sure everybody understood that we were gonna get some business done here. I was gonna follow, faithfully follow. Uh, The uh, Beach Boys legacy with the loyalty of a dog. I was going to work hard and become a lyricist. Of course, I didn't know what a lyricist was supposed to do. I had no no idea. Again,
0: what a huge advantage!
2: Yeah. So I was amazed, and uh, and as I still am by the by the creative process, because I found out some people have asked me questions relating to songwriting because it's my favorite. I mean, it's it is my obsession. That's what I do. I either write songs, I would expect it to be, or I or I try very hard to uh, frame other people's songs with uh, with um, with orchestrations or arrangements that don't uh, that don't add uh, uh, any uh, that that don't draw too much attention
0: to themselves, but support the artist. But Brian must have been thrilled with the fact that he's he's built this kind of this sonic. Confection, which, as a uh, you know, as a young kid, when I heard this stuff on the radio, I was aware, even at a very young age, that, that it, it seemed superficial. Yeah. And it was lyricists like yourself that brought this new dimension to their... The, the concept of the beach boy well it's so you it know, gave it a kind of depth and it gave it a, a, a it's a, a, a funny kind of minor thing. Chord.
2: it's a funny thing too that yeah that it, it did have it's like what what uh, they had a serious musician it was a serious musician his name was edgar varez and varez made up this thing called frank zappa's great hero yes who frank zappa yes. rang on his 16th birthday well, i understand it was his
0: present the, from his father i
2: remember stuff <laughs> and he uh and the uh, music music concrete was this tape-to-tape sensibility where you just cut something off and go into something else and things uh, uh, were highly interruptive and anecdotal. Schumann, once Robert Schumann in the 19th century, talked about things like that when he would call it uh, an evaporation. Things would evaporate. And and I love that word. So this is what Brian was... He was not afraid to do that. He was very deceptive. You notice that happened in... in, um, in uh, Good Vibrations, where it slowed down in the middle. wonderful. It slowed down, Absolute and you looked at different a, movements. at an adolescent dance show on TV, and the kids are stopped, they don't don't know how to dance them. Promotion Man said, oh, this is my worst nightmare. I was with a yeah. ca- capital promotion the man. Party's when they party's Yeah, When they, they stopped <laughs> dancing, they, they, were, they were confused. Well, they got used to it, and eventually people decided that the song was worth its salt. And so... I do that, by the way, much differently. Not so celebratory, Um, but as I reflect on uh, heroes and villains, I put that in the show. Because it's very much a part of my life.
0: You put out various terrific um, solo albums, Song Cycle, Discover America. And, you know, we wrote a piece actually recently in in Word uh, about the advertising campaigns um, in the 1970s that very much supported Mm -hmm. the idea of the immensely Credible and, and critically well reviewed artist who didn't sell. Yeah. Now you didn't enjoy enormous sales, but you got an enormous amount of uh, of, uh, of applause from well, those in the know.
2: It was it was uh, to me uh, the opportunity. I made all my mistakes in song cycle, but then again, uh, and and I think what that, mistakes were those? Oh well, uh, um, they the, the, of course they are obvious, but the thing is is filled with thought. It's, with filled with th- it's filled with thought. Is that a mistake? Uh it it can be. Um, but there was. Uh, but the thing is, should have a sticker on the album. But that, filled with thought. <laughs> warning, that, but, warning, yeah, warning filled yeah, with thought. Yeah. Uh, no thought. Yeah. It's what Zappa used to call the mind police came in. That's right. They came the mind. The mine police. They came in, and started to tear it apart. But the fact is. Years later, you know, I went up to a hotel room. I was invited by the harpist, Joanna Newsom, come up here and listen to these songs. I did. She had a harp. She rented a harp in the hotel room. I went in. I took my wife so I wouldn't be alone with this lovely young woman. I didn't want to give her the idea that I wanted to jump on her, which, of course, had occurred to me. It might be more fun than talking about work. But work is not I the end. I can't
0: see the attraction myself. <laughs> yes, right, right. But at
2: any rate, no, but to be quite, uh, to be serious, I, sh- I turned after and I said, well, I want to do the whole thing. I want to do the record. I want to do the whole record. So Joanna Newsom was very delighted. And, and I turned as I left, as I was at the door, it, it just occurred to me, I must know. I said, well, what did I do that interested you, Joanna? Why am I here? Why mm. did you offer me this job? Fascinating. Why do you try I thought maybe she heard a U two record or you know, Rufus Wainwright or something. She said it was Song Cycle. How wonderful! And I thought, you know, I just wanted to weep. I thought, you know, this is so beautiful that 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 uh, a young modern uh, from a contemporary artist, a yeah, generation she away, twenty three
0: whatever she, would yeah, have been. that
2: I was migrating to another generation, that I would serve another generation of musicians, and it just. It touched me deeply. No, I'm quite so sure. I'm not it. so pressed to get immediate approval on things, but I think it is okay to uh, to just continue to put the shoulder to the wheel and uh, uh, allow the jury to arrive in time and <laughs> you know, not be not pressed for Absolutely. immediate approval. But I've had. I've had a great adventure on each.
0: Well, let me ask you about... I mean, uh, we, unfortunately, we wish oh, we, be, we all day for this, because yes, this is right. absolutely fascinating. Uh, the, the various people that you work with, uh, just some impression. Can I just give you a couple of names? Yeah. Um, I mean, you made a record with uh, Lowell George, or you did certainly... Lowell was a genius. He was a like a brother. Spanish Moon. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. and Spanish Tell Moon. Tell me a bit about him. I'm putting Spanish Moon on my sampler of... of, of, of uh, a ra- I'm putting out a CD of... of uh, Oh, what do you call it? Of uh, arrangements I've done with Excellent. different artists, from Bonnie Raitt and Lowell George and various people. That um, and uh, and I'm I, I'm I have enough cheek to call it Volume One <laughs> Part. part un. I should call it Part Un, but I didn't call it Part Un. I called it a Volume One, and uh, that's coming out as a CD, along with the downloads of my new singles will be available in a couple of days on iTunes, but. Putting
0: out some... But Lowell, so how does it work? You're walking into a studio and there's Lowell George in there and uh, he's he's looking for horn arrangements. What's the next step? Well, oh, well,
2: with Lowell, uh, Lowell, I loved Lowell's work and um, uh, he had very interesting... uh, First of all, Lowell's favourite blues musician was Howlin' Wolf, as was mine. And Howlin' Wolf was... uh, I was born in Mississippi, so was Howlin' Wolf. Unmistakable voice. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. And to me, he was the greatest of all the the blues musicians, the most innovative and incredible uh, uh, powers of deception and so forth. And. Uh Emotive force. Well, Lowell loved this guy too. So we and Lowell, as a matter of fact, had later on been in the Zappas, as I had. Not, I mean, didn't stay long because he had other things to pursue. And Lowell went
0: when you say in the Zappas, you you, you, you were in you the were, Mothers. You were, he, you
2: were part of the group. Weren't I you? was in the group. Yeah.
0: Did he and, give you some kind of name, or uh, did you, you, you?
2: He gave me the name. Uh, uh, my name was. Uh, was Pinocchio. So, and I felt like I was at a bad boy's party. I did.
0: Which album were you on? We got an album. I'm not what didn't make an album. Is it uh, But
2: I just, all I have is uh, to corroborate this is a few musicians jimmy carl black as a matter of fact last year he's he was uh, the indian in the group but jimmy carl uh was living in uh, hamburg and he called me and asked me to join a tour they were going to have a tour called the grandmothers of invention <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i just couldn't do it i just i'm sorry that was a little too rough and tumble for me oh, so God. yeah yeah so i mean uh but another person who was in the mothers who was uh, 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 still alive, as, um, uh, Elliot Ingber. Oh, so great. Yes. And he said, recently he said to me, he brought me a bottle of wine at Christmas last year, and he said, You know, we could never understand. Just one day you stopped showing up. We didn't know what happened.
0: <laughs> you know. I didn't like being called Pinocchio. No, no, <laughs> no. no I didn't
2: mind. I, I, got, I, I enjoyed the experience. From, I learned a great deal. But like I say, I learned – what I learned was I was with a man who was totally without fear of going out of the box, you know, and um – um was That's he
0: as ruthless as made out? I've seen film of him. Uh, I'm fascinated.
2: Oh yeah, no, was. he was a very and, angry and it's, man. Uh,
0: it's just extraordinary the detail where he's, he's he, when he when he when he auditioned people uh, he, he would often only you'd get people who'd been academy trained for a start, yeah, and then he would give them uh, absolutely impossible music, yeah, no, music be, to play. Be, or then make them play it and make them play play it up a
2: quarter tone, beat them up, no, <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but he knew how to do that. He was uh, he was always uh, in. Uh, uh, rank display. He was a leader. And he, but he did that. He demanded a lot in his in his degree of abstraction. But you see, I've always felt that the idea is, in spite of my bad boy reputation, I've always wanted to to play on accessibility. I've never wanted to pu- leave someone in a puzzlement. I mean, there's a laugh. No, I, like I was going to
0: ask you that. I can really sympathise with that, because it must be very hard to be in a group like the Mothers and put, or, or, or the, the Magic Band, but all that effort into being one tiny cog in a giant jigsaw that is somebody's own personal fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, it's partly designed to leave people perplexed.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, you know, there. Uh, I want to tell you something. There are three kinds of people in this world... There are people who can count, and there are people who can't count. So, and I rest my case. Okay. And, uh, I hope that that I will didn't see that coming. I hope. That, <laughs> I hope that.
0: I hope, that will, I hope it'll help
2: <laughs> because That's we need so stability
0: good. in this world, post George W. Bush. We need stability. Look, this just in. Sorry, Ben uh, Ben Grabham just tweeted this. Uh, I'd love to know more about helping produce Randy Newman's first album. Well on the staff at reprise. Well, it's his best yes. it's, it's his best out. Tell album. us about
2: I that s- one. Well, I saw Randy last night at, at a Jules show Jules somebody. Jules Holland. Holland's yeah, show. later. Yeah. There was Randy and there was Brian. Now oh, they're two entirely different guys. I didn't I thought, you know, why go? You know, there would be like two minds in search of a single thought. Why <laughs> should I go see these RTD ready Ford to you know what, you know, I just didn't But I realized, I I was very happy to be there to to see this show, and the music was incredible. But... Um, the Randy Newman in rec- and, and answer to this gentleman's query and thanks for the, the thought uh, uh, Randy Newman's album uh, was a marvelous thing I told Randy last night I said you know I went through the piano bench I have a piano that came into our house in 1911 March 11th it's been in our family over 100 years and I found that I had stored an arrangement to Vine Street which is a piece Randy wrote for me slightly biographical biography light and in it was the imposition of the Beethoven uh, uh, um, uh, Ode to Joy. Yeah. A quotation is and it, that was on Vine Street, on the word Vine. And Randy uh, last night reflected of how happy he was that he said, I, "I thought that was the best assignment writing I ever did." I said, "I believe so." And uh, I said, "I will give you that manuscript if it'll mean a damn thing to you. Would you like it?" And he was just. Are you still got it? I have. Oh well, yeah. And it's the work of a twenty, uh, a twenty-four-year-old, uh, which is absolutely. Uh, as Impactful. clear as glacial ice, as yeah. clear as anything, every, every decision is perfect. And uh, there it is in this this penciled work, and uh, so it it will go back to its author. But I've I've had it uh, many years. How wonderful! Yeah, and he was delighted. I was so happy that I could meet him. See, I don't see him too much. He's he's pixelated pretty well. He works a lot in films. And he's, pixelated. He, well, I mean, Well, I mean, with the pictures and so absolutely, forth. He does, but pictures a lot, and um, basically is hermetically sealed. He's uh, a very. Uh, a, a social misanthrope, I would say that he would agree with that. He's a person who likes to be alone and miserable.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and he gets a lot of very good music out of it. But him. I have he a makes di- a, he's, he's the original grumpy old man.
2: I have I have an anti- anti- I, I have an entirely different philosophy about the whole thing. My 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 mantra now is I've suffered like hell for my music my entire life. Now it's now your it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> <Union>. <laughs> Maybe go to Union Chapel on the 16th of May.
0: <laughs> and that is the concert that you're playing. <laughs> Beautifully sung. Thank you so much. And described earlier as an exorcism. It's it's at the Union Chapel in Islington. And what will it consist of? I think it's you and a trio, isn't it, Van Dyke?
2: The, the uh, I Am Being... Um, um, uh, I'm uh, joined by Claire and the Reasons, who are a quartet. Um, I'm having a, a guest cameo. Ed Harcourt is coming to. Oh, wonderful. And he's a lovely fellow. And, Brilliant and piano player. I just wanted to see him again, and uh, I asked him if he would, you know, make me feel like Add to the Hospitality. He says, there's that, and then I will have a trio back me, back me and we're going to make a dust.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, gonna so, gonna uh, it just out. give give people some clues as to what songs you might be playing.
2: Well, I'm going to play uh, some uh, songs that that, uh, uh, that I have written from the get-go. I'm going to do the... Uh, uh, I'll do a song from Smile. I'll do a song from Song Cycle, one or two songs. One or two songs from every album I've done, plus songs which I, I haven't recorded um, that uh, reveal that I do have aspects of... Uh, being old and in the way, being disgruntled, be being less than satisfied Randy with the Neumann-ish. world. We, and uh, well, Randy Newman made an old man out of me, and it's enough to make Stevie wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Take off that tutu, Desmond. Take off that tutu.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely delightful. Lovely to see you. Thank you.
2: This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next
0: bit. Magic. Look at the state of you.
4: Have, you. have you actually been to bed? Not really. Um, I had a bit of an incident last night. Um, I went to see Pete Doherty in, in Shepherd's Bush, and I think he's got this kind of...
0: Is that a personal visit, or were uh, you watching him performing in a band?
4: Yeah, I was watching him play, um, and he was, uh, I have to say, he was shambolic at best. And I'm um, quite a long-time fan. Well, you would have been mortified if you hadn't been, surely? Well, it wasn't... I, he seems to play in his, uh, his foibles now. It's, it, it just wasn't good. I mean, he just d- didn't seem to be able to play or sing properly, and you know hold it together at all really it was just him and an acoustic guitar and you know he obviously really open to the elements you've got to be good on your own but if it was anybody else up there they wouldn't have got away with it he just sounded like a like a junk bloke in a pub but presumably
0: he played to an audience of adoring acolytes uh, 100% of them looking exactly like him who applauded loudly his every move
4: yeah i felt quite the one out actually i was expecting to <laughs> you know to be really taken. about i saw the libertines last year and i was really impressed with them but um no it wasn't it wasn't six out of ten i'd say Bit disappointed.
0: I think six out of ten. Sounds generous actually, from the review you've just given us.
4: I used to live in a flat in Kilburn.
0: i would never told this story before, but uh, and it was I shared it with a photographer, an enemy photographer, who'd done a lot of work with the Libertines. And uh, they were playing in London. And one night I woke up one morning and uh, stumbled down the hallway and, and went into the front room. And there, lying on the floor, and I'm not going to which what it was, was a member of the Libertines. He was <laughs> <his> girlfriend. So, <laughs> That's something you don't see every day. Oh my lord! Yes. Nice. That's very nice. I once walked up the, the stairs of a flat in uh, Ladbroke Grove. a member of the Clash. Un- unconscious, clutching a bottle of—is it called mezcal? Is it that uh, right. tequila has got a bug in the bottle? Uh, anyway, is there, does that a to the identity of the uh, of the person? It was the, it was it was Paul Simonon. Okay. Yeah, but that's exactly what he was expecting to be doing. But now, look, the point is, you clearly haven't slept, or did you sleep at all live? So where?
4: Well, it's all kind of above board. Um... You See, I'm 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 off the booze at the moment. I'm 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 doing a hundred day experiment. So I got home and I was it was late, but I was you know I was perfectly compost mentis and I thought I, I, I brought along the wrong key. So I um, thought, oh man, I'm locked out. What do I do? And didn't think to try the door. I um, thought so <laughs> the Boy Scout in me just went. And this is you not drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Boy Scout oh, in me just went. I know. I'll sleep on the trampoline. It's soft. So, um... It's what we all do. That was it. the only rationale for it, really. So I got on the trampoline and sort of tried to wear my bag because I was a bit nippy. I tucked everything in, so I tucked my socks into my trousers and my my T-shirt into my pants and just became this giant onesie and um, <laughs> sort of slugged it on there for a little bit. And... um So when you turn over in your sleep, presumably there's a great lurching sensation
0: and... It was a bit uncomfortable. You are virtually doing a somersault.
4: I've got a man bag and I, I tried to wear it because I was getting a bit nippy and I was wearing this little tiny denim jacket, um which is not meant for boys, and so I was getting a bit of draft, so I tried to put on my bag, as you do, but it wasn't really working out for me, so I I didn't really get to sleep for whatever, really, but then then I heard this rustling in the bushes, and I I was a bit tired, you know, I got a bit paranoid, I thought, oh my God, what is it, a fox or a badger, or a a snake, and I I was going through my head what it could possibly be, and just, just kind of sitting there thinking about what I would do if I was suddenly suddenly snared upon by, by a fox or a badger or a, or a wildebeest. Um, and all those scenarios ended in me either running away or ninja kicking them. I, there, was, there was no real contingency plan. And I kept I kept sort of making myself big at varying intervals just to let this creature know that, you know, I was a human being and I had some some sort of perceived hench and he shouldn't, you know, mess with the, with the big man. I think I staved it off. I what think was it, You never discovered what it was? I didn't. I like to think it was a bear. But uh, I've got no conclusion. What part of there. the world are we talking about? This is High Wycombe. Uh, this is Braintree. Braintree in Essex. Yeah. Good God. Um,
0: the so wild Braintree. Now the point is, you've seen Pete Doherty. Yeah. You've had absolutely no sleep. You've you've kept a wildebeest at bay. You've slept on a trampoline. You've had, you know, you you you're barely with us. But I'm still going to ask you to generally big up and promote the three favourite tracks on the CD. Why? Actually, there's a picture of the staff. Where is it? Here we are. And tragically, you don't appear in it. Here we are on page seven. You're being held in a framed portrait, lovingly, I think, by uh, nick Knack Schilling, our office manager. Where were you on that day? Why, why weren't you? I can't remember. You weren't there, anyway.
4: I was snoring my head off in a car between Manchester and Oxford uh, with Left With Pictures, um, I think, when I was taken, so... Um, it's my immemorial photo, isn't it? It, it like does shit. look.
0: It does look <laughs> as though you and Juliet Cromwell have passed away. Rather than sadly, being held and rather respectful in <laughs> these framed pictures. But you were what you were You were touring with the band,
4: wasn't you? Yeah, we had a little mini tour. So uh, we did Manchester on the on the Wednesday. Then on the Thursday, we travelled down to Oxford. Which bands? Um, uh, left with pictures. Oh, uh, the, okay. the, the, the Twee the Twee Chamber Pop fellows. Oh yeah. Um, but I slept all the way. I just Chamber just Pot or Chamber Pop. <laughs> chamber pot. <laughs> they do a good line of chamber pots just, also. I can sing
0: in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but look, what, here's the record. It's got 16 tracks on it. The 16th, I will fill people in on in a moment. But but out of the 15 musical tracks, give us uh, two or three that you think are particularly worth people's uh, time and attention.
4: Well, my first pick would be uh, a track by Little Barry. Oh, right. One of my favourite oh, I like, Didn't I choose that as well? I think I did. You did. How exciting oh, it's got there. A cracking band, I've I've loved them for years and um they are indeed fronted by a a small chap called Barrelled, Um and they play kind of Barrelled. <laughs> <laughs> um <So> barreled. <laughs> it does sound like it should be small It should be yeah, doesn't doesn't it? it does, yeah. But they play a um a very very decent brand of um modern blues rock with a with a twinge of soul and um I've liked them for years and years and years, and this is off their their third album, I believe. Um, it's got a bit of a Motown edge to it. It's uh, it sounds really, really, really good. And on drums, Steve Steve Howe is that right? Son of Steve Howe, rather? Yeah, Virgil. Dylan Howe. He's um, which one? which spell? Not Dylan. Uh, no, it's for, I think Dylan's uh, Dylan's Wilco Johnson. Oh, that's Dylan. right.
0: Sorry, he's got two drumming songs.
4: What a family! Incredible, well, ridiculously it? talented family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's absurd. How fantastic, so that's a little barrier. So what others? give us a, give us another a couple of um, ones to look out for.
4: Um another another fave would probably be the um the Sorely Miss Polystyrene. Oh yeah. Um, this is her comeback album, um Generation Indigo. And it's uh, it's a nice slice of uh of um Gutsy Synth Pop, um called Kitsch, which is um it's very good. But obviously, she passed away shortly after. She passed away very us. suddenly. actually. Yeah. I was very knocked uh, back by that
0: because she was, in fact, down to do an interview with us on the Friday. Oh, really? So she was obviously no one was aware, including herself, of how unwell she was. Very, very tragic. But that's great to have her on the record. Fantastic a track called Kitch, and, and one more. Give us one more. One more. Sounds like proper radio, this, <laughs> isn't it? <Yeah.
4: laughs> um. Last one is going to be uh, Orchestra del Sol. It's a track called The Doppler. Oh, effect. that's a great record. Um, I think I think you you first flagged this up actually. Yeah, I love this record. It's Brilliant. It's got accordion and trombone, and anything with accordion and trombone on it, I automatically like. Um, so it's just uh, it's just a winner because of its uh, because of it because of its um, what's the word? It's, it's makeup. That's two words, isn't it? <laughs> likeability? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's got immense likability. It sounds. Brilliant. It sounds like a chase. It, it's the it's a sonic manifestation of some kind of chase.
0: Good. In and also, what I love about it is it, it, it's kind of it's Balkan, isn't it? It's kind of it's, it's kind of, a Middle Eastern uh, kind of klezmer sound to it. And I thought these guys are fantastic. Where do they Where are they from? Uh, they're from Scotland. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> all, all of them. So it's all in there. Celtic music is Latin. What do they call it? Honk step. Honk step. I believe step. they call, it. They call it. honk step. I think. So that's that one. And the last track, which I must just tell you about, it's fantastic because anybody listening is by definition someone who's genuinely interested in our podcast. And there is a, another podcast, unavailable uh, on the site, only available. You see what we've done there? It's very clever. <laughs> it's coming, an exclusive. It? It's an exclusive on the CD. And it's, we're calling it The Notcast. And it consists of four of our regular podcast uh, contributors I think addressing one single question which is who is the most impressive rock musician you've ever met and they are in no particular order the voices of David Hepworth that has been pointed out by many people that he's the only person you go and see where you get the whole story you get soup to nuts this is what rock music is all about There'll be some amusement, there'll be something serious, there'll be something experimental, there'll be something mad, there'll be something political, there'll be something religious, whatever. Yeah. Mm. And it'll add mm. up mm. to this vast great narrative. Myself? Yeah, he was talking about living in Los Angeles, you know, and his next, he bought the house from Gregory Peck. he had uh, Jack Nicholson, Two Doors Down, he had Ryan O'Neill, he had uh, a, a man who he described only as uh, as Sharon, or, or Mrs <laughs> Mercury, who was Freddie, of course, <laughs> and Elton John, who he called Doris. You know, And he just thought, this must be fun. Ah, the mighty Kate Mossman.
3: Yeah, he was sat up on this little table so that he was automatically the same height or higher than anybody who came up to him. And basically, we were all made to assemble into a very orderly queue.
0: It was like gonna see Father Christmas in the garage. And, of course, Paul de Noyer. Uh, I went up to, his, um, up to his hotel room, which was massively dishevelled, and this blonde woman, herself massively dishevelled, <laughs> was picking up her belongings and leaving as I was coming in with my tape recorder. The
3: word... A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life.
0: So, look, Kate Mossman has joined me, uh, and very importantly, we want to plug the fact that this is the 100th edition of the word. You've no, worked on how many? about 40 of them, over 40. I've worked on 100. Thank you very much, Fraser.
3: I'm going to applaud as well, because uh, I haven't do worked on Anybody listening
0: who feels they ought to applaud, do f- join in. I've worked on, what, 39?
3: 39, 39. 49? I don't yep. know And there.
0: there's a picture of all of us in um, really funny-looking image. We really look rather stiff. And, yeah. uh, some people already um, written in, subscribers have already have a, a copy of this, and complain that... Um, you know the office is is too is too tidy
3: and too untidy. So. Obviously too untidy. That's yeah. right.
0: Yeah. And um, but they are. I think. I hope enjoying some of the details. The, there's the Cookie Monster. Yeah, the there's a fun firm moose head above my desk, and also a, a, a papier mâché cherub left over and from an old select photos. I'm yeah. holding a uh, microplane, which is my favourite kitchening uh, gadget.
3: Is that what you've got in your hand? I thought yeah. it was I didn't dagger. know what that was. I thought that was a kind of a uh, yeah a knife of some kind. That's but you're holding uh, a. Isn't it weird? to think gadget he brought, brought it in specially. I, did, I yeah. love that. We thought he had a knife and we didn't question it. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> oh,
0: we just all went a bit quiet when yeah. we saw the picture. Yeah. But what
3: you really have to look out for in this is there's a, a cunningly photoshopped picture by Jonathan Sellers. He manages to do this in most of our important moments on the magazine. And this one got through press day without us noticing. It's a, a piece of um, popular culture... In Mark Ellen's corner, which doesn't perhaps correspond correspond to Mark Ellen's own taste. Well,
0: it's very typical of him because he's actually an entertainment uh, concept, indeed a franchise that I loathe and <laughs> And what he's done is he's managed to Photoshop this into a frame so It looks like I actually have permanently by my desk a framed picture of Don't this particular anymore. concept. <laughs> I know, and uh, I just couldn't believe it really. But he's done it, and there it is. So there's mm-hmm. that, and there's fond memories of. God, I forgot we'd done that. We've had all 100 covers. It looks uh, amazing. It does look quite good, doesn't it? And there's all sorts History. of stuff. And also oh, actually, the, the failed covers. I love this. I've got a, a tweet here from H Malcolm. who oh, says, uh, what's the most embarrassing thing you've published in 100 issues? OK. Gosh, that's a tricky one because there's so many to choose from. <laughs> I, I'm almost automatically going to say that it was the Dido cover. But uh, which I have uh... Jack
3: Johnson with bare feet.
0: <laughs> Jack Johnson. <laughs> was Jack Johnson on the cover He yeah. was, wasn't he? No shoes. Gosh, with no shoes, that was bad. But we've, if you look at some of the um, some of the rejected covers, I love things like that. I love it with magazines. Actually, magazines very rarely do that, yeah. to be honest. I wish my favourite magazines would say, "Do you know what?" Sometimes because most magazines are terribly—it's all being terribly. It's been great. It's been, it's been, been great. great ride, yeah. But we are particularly British and self-lacerating. Yeah. Uh, in each our of these to... covers
3: I have to say is analysed as well, which is interesting. Oh, that's they're right. not just—they're not just set next to each other. There's a little—a little bit of analysis on each one, which makes for about a month's worth of reading. I
0: think. And there's a picture here on page 12 of the cover that was we were going to run before we changed. I changed last minute uh, my mind and put Jarvis Cocker in a. <laughs> fur hat in the Arctic on the cover.
3: That one definitely goes out of history, doesn't it? A
0: terrible time for it. And look at the things we've got here. There's a piece an interview with Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, which is really strong, I think. I think, think he, he's yeah. brilliant on this kind of thing, I think, explaining why stuff is funny. He does better than anyone, I think. Fantastically good. It's very technical interview. I mean it's not full of laughs, which no. I like. Mm, you know, mm. it's not some show off journalist trying to be funnier than he is. That's gonna be a hiding to nothing. It's him explaining the details and the agonies they went through to get the office, because it's the office's 10th anniversary, the office, absolutely right. Amazing details. They talk about the fact that, um, you know, they, they, they made it deliberately stifling, that the lights were too bright and the colour was turned down to make mm. you feel that awful claustrophobic fug of being in a real That's office. That slightly
3: here. green sheen over there. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's really fascinating. Talking of fugs, there's the fugs as well. And a great picture of Paul McCartney. Which very, very odd extraordinarily picture. Extraordinarily odd picture of him in the Malakan tyre
3: taken it, we think about seven o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, I think so. Polly Harvey, that was good. Oh, there's great, <laughs> fantastic. Oh, yes. Best and worst. Describe the best and worst. The best process.
3: and worst is best worst hundreds. So it's everything from the best, um, uh, well, the worst hundred years in history to hundreds and thousands. Fifty cent shells, yeah. yeah. that kind of thing. We've already we had a complaint d- actually from. Who was the, that from? It was from uh, the. Uh, civic reenactment of the 14th oh, century God, society. Oh,
0: not bloke? Woo, was yeah. It? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, who said that you, you can't possibly say, this is his words where you can't possibly say the 14th century was the worst ever century because although the Black Death killed many people, it did give rise to the dis- destruction of feudalism. Did, uh, also, Sorry. he
0: complained that we said the hundred, the hundred Years War was in As any fool knows, it is not hundred <laughs> years. 116. It's hundred and sixteen. <laughs> I know. We stand corrected. Fair enough. But there's lots of stuff. There's a brilliant piece about the National. That's a great piece. And Big Jim Sullivan and the details of all the wonderful films that we've been to. Forty people have sent these video messages, uh, many of them who listened to the, uh, the podcast regularly, Archie Valparaiso, Katie G, Captain Underpants, David Wright, etc. Hannah baked as a cake. There's a picture of Hannah's picture cake. A picture of cake. Oh, my yep. God. All very touching. Hugh Laurie. God, there's so much good stuff. Loudon Wainwright there was a, and some a quiz we were going to have a couple so of some, some questions, questions thrown
3: up particularly in the review section what is a gynoid <laughs> <laughs> this is it's a so word that we we've thing. used for the first time it sounds gynecological Probably medical
0: yes it yeah. does
3: what is a gynoid what did robert johnson do to hide his playing and we don't mean turn to the wall that's, That's too right, well which
0: again, any fool knows.
3: He did something else. And
0: I was going to... Actually, I have a quiz question. I interviewed the cover story of this uh, multiple cover issue. In fact, I suppose, is Keith Richards, who we got an interview with, which I was very, very pleased with, actually. And he uh, rarely gives interviews. And uh, I went over to New York and spent an hour and a half fooling around with him. And one of the things that... <laughs> one of the extraordinary things he talks about is something that, that, that I've waited 36 years to ask him. Because I saw the Stones at uh, Nedworth Park in 1976. And if anybody listening was also at the Nedworth concert, they were supported by 10cc and I think uh, the mighty Leonard Skinner. He would have loved that. He's I seen, know.
3: He loved My ski. ideal concert.
0: And uh, it really was good. And uh, they played on a giant stage with an inflatable tongue and huge inflatable lips. It was the Stones logo turned into a massive, great blow up pink pneumatic stage. But, key point is that. 10cc were meant to come on at 10.30 and the Stones sorry at 9.30, Stones at 10.30 and when the, before 10cc came on there was an announcement saying there's been a today, there's some technical problem. 10cc came on an hour and a half late by which time people were hurling bottles of warm wee in their <laughs> direction <laughs> and, and blamed the whole of this weight on 10cc and there was an allegation from 10cc to is this, me. Is this the quiz question? Two years later, yes maybe I should just You're flaring your eyebrows <laughs> I'm about to give it away. That's absolutely right. No, you will have to buy the 100th edition of The Word. Thank you so much. To find out what actually delayed the Stones' performance. And I'll give you one clue, which is it wasn't Tennessee's it was fault. Yeah. It's a very hardcore story. And Keith Richards admits to uh, what actually happened, which is pretty pretty entertaining, I think. Anyway, all of that is in the 100th edition, which is out today and available in all good bookstores.
2: If you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, go to wordmagazine.co.uk or apply at your newsagent every month.
1: The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation, Botox Cosmetic, atabotulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults.